Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we gather together this morning to worship You. I pray that we can encourage one another to appropriately respond to who you've revealed yourself to be in your word. That is worship, and we all need the accountability in that. As we turn our attention to the proclamation of your word, I pray that we allow your Holy Spirit to convict us for the purpose of pursuit of Jesus, to walk with him. That is our goal. That is our aim. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. This was made popular in the movie Big. You guys remember the movie Big? Tom Hanks came out in the 80s. He was a young man then. But this is the Zoltar machine. And it used animatronics and a creepy voice to basically give you your fortune. You could put your coin into the slot and your fortune would have been told for you. So the question really would be then in real life, is is Zoltar really clairvoyant? Does Zoltar really know the future? Because we know all types of crazy things, don't we? We always want to know what the future brings or we want to be able to know what's going on with a particular individual. We, We use astrology and signs and all this and that and whatever it is because at the end of the day, we all can rest assured that we really don't know the future now, do we? But maybe this Zoltar does. I mean, after all, a major motion picture centered around this one animatronic machine. Could he really see into the future? Could he really accurately predict things yet to happen? Will Zoltar really omniscient? That's a word we're going to use this morning, omniscient, which means all-knowing. Was Zoltar really, truly all-knowing? We all actually know something about what I just said. It's all nonsense, isn't it? All of this is nonsense. Zoltar is nothing more than a novelty. We all know that no one can predict the future. Brothers and sisters, for a moment though, imagine if you did run across somebody who could predict the future. Let's just, let's just you know, hypothetically speak here. If you did run across somebody who could predict the future, that someone who was actually truly omniscient Do you know who they would be? See, if we did run across somebody like that, they would be God. And do you know what the name of that person would be? The name of that person would be none other than the name above all names, Jesus Christ. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. Jesus' Divine Display. Jesus' divine display. Today we're going to be in the book of John, the Gospel of John. We're going to be finishing out chapter 2 this morning. We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 25 specifically. And before we even do that, we need to remember that last week we were encouraged and comforted in knowing that we have access to God because Jesus cleared the way. Just like Jesus cleared the money changers out of the temple so that the Jews could worship God in the temple, His Spirit, His Holy Spirit, is clearing out the temple within us. His Spirit is clearing out our sinful hearts. 
His Spirit is clearing the way so we can have that direct access to God. Today, Jesus is going to display His deity. He's going to display the fact that He is God. He's going to display His knowledge of the past, His knowledge of the present, and His knowledge of the future. That's one of those things... You know, we celebrate when we do threefold communion here at Villa's Grace as well. All of this will be on full display. So be encouraged by Jesus' omniscience. That's that, you know, big word that we just defined earlier. Be encouraged by the fact that Jesus himself is all-knowing because he knows everything that there is to know about you. Everything there is to know about me. Everything that there is to know about we. Let's go ahead and get into this text and see what John has for us. Chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. The Jews then said to him, What sign do you show us as your authority for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said it took 46 years to build this temple and yet you will raise it up in three days? but he was speaking about the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and they believed the scripture in the word which Jesus had spoken. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name as they observed his signs which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them because he knew all people, and because he did not need anyone to testify about mankind, for he himself knew what was in mankind. Amen. We're going to make it really simple for you this morning, because when we want to put all of these verses, which aren't a lot, but these few verses into one sentence, this sentence has three words, and it's very simple. Jesus knows all. If you want to know what these verses are about, this is basically what these verses are about. Jesus knows all. Now, let's go ahead and start with verse 18. In true to form, the Jews begin by asking this question. What do they say? They say, what sign do you show us as your authority for doing these things? Now, this question was asked because the Jews... As we know from Scripture, one of the things we always want to do is allow the Bible to interpret the Bible. We use the Bible to interpret itself, Scripture to interpret Scripture. We know this is true because Jews ask for signs. Scripture tells us this, and we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, where it says, For indeed, Jews ask for signs, and Greeks search for wisdom. So one commentator put it like this, and I really liked what I read this week when I was looking into this verse. He said, an unbelieving Jew will want a supernatural sign, yet they deny salvation and reject their Messiah. So, so basically the Jews, what's being said here, the Jews deny Jesus as God. They deny him as Messiah. See, they had already done this because they denied the miracle birth of Jesus to the Virgin Mary. They, they're already starting to deny certain signs that were right before them. So as we go back to verse 18 here through 21, brothers and sisters, let us not forget. Jesus is no phony Zoltar. Jesus is God. Therefore, Jesus is omniscient. Jesus 
is all-knowing. Jesus knows all. So look at how he responds in verse 19. What does he say? He says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it up. Now, now this is interesting because the temple was first started by Herod in 20 B.C. And this conversion, or this conversation, shall I say, that Jesus is having with the Jews is happening around 26 A.D. In fact, the construction continued until 60. 3 AD, and the temple stood until around 70 AD until Titus came in with his armies and destroyed it. So it's no wonder why the Jews said what they said. They said, it took 46 years to build this temple, and yet you will raise it up in three days? I mean, if you ask me, they're, they're playing Jesus to be something that he's not, because Jesus is no phony. Jesus is clearly no Zoltar. Jesus, from what we know of Scripture, and especially what we've been going over here in the Gospel of John, because you can't read John without first reading in John 1.1 that Jesus is God because it tells us the Word is God. Jesus, therefore, since He is God, is omniscient. He is all-knowing. Because what does he say next? He says, he was speaking about the temple of his body. He's not talking about the physical temple that they're talking about. He's talking about the temple of his body. Brothers and sisters, do you know what else Jesus knew? He knew something else. See, all while the time he's having this conversation, while he's talking about his body being raised in three days, he knew something else. He knew that he was going to be mocked all along the way. The same men that he was having this conversation with were going to be the same men starting the spark that began the mockery of his crucifixion. And he knew this was going to happen even while he was fulfilling the prophecy that he was making right here on the spot. And we know this is true from Matthew chapter 27, verse 40. I'm going to read this for you. It's on the screen as well. And saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. He's being mocked right here. No, because Jesus is the Son of God, He will not come down from the cross. And that's what we need to understand because I see a verse like this and I I don't feel bad for Jesus because He's being mocked. I see a man of strength because He is God. He will not come down from that cross. Brothers and sisters, we're seeing something sensational here just with this very verse alone that is connected with our verses today in John. The power to come down from the cross... We have to remember this. The power to come down from the cross is the same power that keeps him on the cross. This is Jesus' divine display. See, you want to make a prediction, don't you, in your life? So what are you going to do? You want to make it, you know, all crimson and clovers and make it, you know, feel good, look good, success, health, wealth, whatever it is. Here's our Lord and Savior making a prediction about himself, and it's everything but that. He's making a prediction of his death, burial, and resurrection. He's making a prediction of his crucifixion, all the while knowing that the ones he's making the prediction to are going to mock him. But Jesus knows all, doesn't he? 
because only the king of the universe can maintain the obedience necessary to fulfill his own prophecy about his own death, burial, and resurrection. So when we go back to verse 22, we're reminded that the gospel of John was written so others would believe. That's the whole purpose. John's writing this gospel to tell you that Jesus is the Son of God. And I'm writing when I'm writing so you will come to a saving faith in him. We're reminded that the gospel of John was written for that purpose. So where it says here, so when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this. And they what? Believed. Now, what did they believe? What, what is it that they're really believing? I would say from this text this morning, we see two things. Quite clearly, in this verse, we see that they're believing the Scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. Those are the two things that they believe. Brothers and sisters, we are, therefore, dependent upon the Bible. Everything that Mike was sharing this morning about God's truth, we're dependent upon His absolute truth. We're dependent upon Scripture. We're dependent upon the infallible, authoritative Word of God. So, how does all this sit with you? How does it sit with you? Are you approaching life through Scripture? Is that how you approach life? Are you currently approaching life through God's Word? That's a question I asked myself this week as I was preparing this text. Am I approaching my life through Scripture? Or are you too busy playing Zoltar over your own life, trying to make your own predictions? We all want to be in control, but we need to remember that Jesus is omniscient. Jesus is the one who is all-knowing, and we have his word to prove it. We can play picnic, or we can plan a picnic. That's not a problem, is it? We can plan a picnic, but we can't predict the weather. Now, that last line I actually stole from Andre 3000, if you know who he is. If you don't know, whoever chuckled here, I know who chuckled. I'm not going to call him out, but he, he knows. But think about that. In life, we can plan a picnic, but we can't predict the weather. So in verses 23 through 25, we're further encouraged in this because, again, in verse 23, we understand the reasoning behind the Gospel of John. As it says, many believed in his name, see, there it is again, as they observed his signs, which he was doing. Then he's right back, going right back to Jesus' divine display. Jesus is showing that he is God in everything that he's doing here because he knew all people, as it says. He himself knew what was in mankind. He knew all people because Jesus is omniscient. He was not entrusting himself to them because their belief was intellectual only. That's why it's saying he wasn't entrusting himself to them because he knew that they only believed here mentally. Their faith was in the works of Jesus, but not his person. And that is so paramount that we get that right. Too many people want to believe in the works of Jesus, but they have no idea about his personhood. They don't even know that he is God. It doesn't matter what you believe about Jesus and his works if you don't know that he is God first and foremost. See, Jesus knows who does and who doesn't, though. Again, this is important because he is God. 
We believe not only in the work of Jesus, but also the person of Jesus for our salvation. And that's really what's the point that we're driving home. The point that we're saying is paramount here. This is because God saves and man doesn't. He knew their hearts. Jesus knows our hearts too. I would like to ask just a simple question. What does Jesus know about your heart? What is it that he knows about your heart? Let me elaborate on that even further with another question. What is it that you actually think he knows about your heart? Because if we're honest with ourselves, we kind of have an idea of what we think that he knows, all the while forgetting that he actually knows all. There's nothing that we can hide from him. He knows everything that there is to know about our hearts. What's amazing is he knew us before we knew him. He knew us before he created his creation. In that cross that he was mocked about as he was upon that cross, He knew that he was going to have to go to the cross even when he created. And he knew that even when he was going to go to the cross, he was going to be mocked by his very creation. So whatever it is that we think that we have that we're hiding from him, we're only fooling ourselves. So as Joe comes up and joins me, we need to remember that Jesus is not some silly animatronic fortune teller. He hungered. He fatigued. He suffered, he wept, he's joyed in life, he's loved all these things that we've done ourselves. He doesn't know us intellectually, though. He knows us intimately, and there is a huge difference. As it says, he himself knew what was in mankind. And what was in mankind? A corrupted heart in need of transformation. Has your belief transformed your heart? Do you sit here this morning and feel as though your belief in the person of Jesus, who he is as God himself, and then the work that he has done to secure our salvation, has that transformed your heart? When the Lord looks at your heart, does he see a heart that's been transformed? So allow me to ask that simple question that I asked just a moment ago a bit differently. What does Jesus know about your transformation? What does he know about your conversion from repenting from a life of sin and turning back to him? Now, it doesn't mean that we're doing that perfectly. Repentance is continual. We speak on that often here. What does he know about your desire to want to daily learn how to repent of your sin here, turn back and walk with him over here? What is it that he knows? So, I don't know. I mean, ask me. You can ask me. Ask me if you're saved. Go go ahead. Ask me. Ask Pastor Jared if, if you're saved. Ask Pastor Steve if you're saved. Ask Pastor Israel, am I saved? Am I You you could ask me all all day long, but I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know. 
I don't know. Because I'm just a man. But Jesus is God. What Jesus knows about you matters. He knows all. And that's the reason why our main idea said just that. Jesus knows all. It's your relationship with him. And that journey that you take is preparing you for your eternal future with him. I don't know about you, but I find great comfort in the fact that I don't know what this afternoon will bring. I don't know what tomorrow will bring next week, next month, next year, 10 years, 100 years from now. I have no clue. But I take great comfort in knowing that Jesus does. And he has secured our salvation because he has given us the opportunity to believe in him as God in flesh and believe in the works that he has completed in order for us to be with him forever in eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our prayer is to continue to be a church that can share our faith with others. I pray that we share you, the person, God, who has saved us through your death, burial, and resurrection. The ultimate sacrifice, we pray in his name. His name is Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.